Kundalitam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurve Namaha Namo Om Vishnu Braya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Shri Mate Bhaktivedanta Swainta Namane Namaste Sarasutun Deve Gauravani Pracharne Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paskadyade Sakarne How is everyone? <laughs> Is everyone's, uh, you're in, in control, Kamari Devidasi, of everyone's microphone? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So, Krishna Ali has come, Krishna Ali. She's. Rajasundari. So I'm going to read from the Bhagavad Gita as usual. This is uh, chapter 13, text number 26. If you have a Bhagavad Gita, you can follow along. Anetve Bhamadananta Shutyanevya Kapasate Again, there are those who are not conversant in spiritual knowledge, begin to worship the Supreme Person upon hearing about him from others. Because of their tendency to hear from authorities, they also transcend the path of birth and death. So again, I'll read it again more slowly. Again, there are those who, although not conversant in the spiritual knowledge, begin to worship the Supreme Person on hearing about him from others. Because of the tendency to hear from authorities, they also transcend the path of birth and death. Her point. This verse is particularly applicable to modern society because in modern society, there's practically no education in spiritual matters. Some of the people may appear to be atheistic, agnostic, or philosophical, but actually there's no knowledge of philosophy. As for the common man, if he is a good soul, there is no, there's a chance for advancement by hearing. This hearing process is very important. Lord Chaitanya who preached Krishna consciousness in the modern world gave great stress to hearing because if the common man simply hears from authoritative sources, he can progress, especially according to Lord Chaitanya, if he hears the transcendental vibration, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, 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 Hare Hare. It is stated, therefore, that all men to take advantage of hearing from realized souls and gradually become able to understand everything. The worship of the Supreme Lord will then undoubtedly take place. Lord Chaitanya has said that in this age, no one needs to change his position, but one should give up the endeavor to understand the absolute truth by speculative reasoning. One should learn to become the servant of those who are in knowledge of the Supreme Lord. If one is fortunate enough to take shelter of a pure devotee, hear from him about self-realization, 
and follow in his footsteps, one will gradually be elevated to the position of a pure devotee. In this verse particularly, the process of hearing is strongly recommended, and this is very appropriate. Although the common man is often not as capable as so-called philosophers, faithful hearing from an authoritative person will help one transcend this material existence, go back to Godhead, back to home. So the verse again, Again, there are those who, although not conversant in spiritual knowledge, begin to worship the Supreme Person upon hearing about him from others. Because of their tendency to hear from authorities, they also transcend the path of birth and death. So in this verse, the importance of hearing is, is emphasized, hearing about Krishna. The whole world is, it says in the, in the Krishna book, the whole world is full of Krishna singing, but everyone is understanding that differently, that everyone is dancing with Krishna, but those who are dancing in harmony, in step with Krishna, they're, well, those who are dancing, imitating Krishna, they're, they're dancing with Maya. And those who are dancing in harmony with Krishna, they're in the rasa dance. So that's our chance. That's our opportunity, or that's our choice. Either we can dance in the rasa dance, or we can dance with the material energy and the illusory energy. Now here, Prabhupada is quoting from Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who's quoting from Lord Brahma, Lord Brahma, he was saying that gane priyasa udapasta namanda eva. So ye priyasa udapasta namanda. So almost always we're engaged in what's called mental speculation. Mental speculation means to see things outside of Krishna consciousness. As soon as we forget Krishna, as soon as we see something outside of Krishna consciousness, and outside of Krishna consciousness means uh, three different levels of outside of Krishna consciousness. The first level is we look at something and we think that maybe I could have that. Maybe I can own that person or own that object. And we forget that actually everything belongs to Krishna. So, even we remember Krishna, we think, well, maybe Krishna can give that to me for my birthday. Well, actually, Krishna might give it to you for your birthday, but it still belongs to Krishna. The second thing is we get something, and then we think, well, thanks a lot, Krishna. Uh, I'll see you next Christmas or whatever. Janmastami. And then we decide, what may, this is something I can have a good time with. So that's the, another level of illusion. First level of illusion is we forget that everything belongs to Krishna. And then when Krishna gives us something, we think, you're very kind, Krishna. Now I can enjoy this, whatever you gave me. So that's the second level. That first one is forgetfulness that everything belongs to Krishna. Second is we think we can enjoy something that belongs to Krishna. And the third level is, yes, we accept, all right, everything belongs to Krishna, what can I do? 
I mean, if Krishna was more generous, he'd give me something, but you know, that's the way he is eternally. So I guess I have to accept it. And the next thing is, all right, Krishna, you're very kind. You gave me something. Uh, let me enjoy it. Uh, but I, actually I can't enjoy it because Krishna's energy, his police force called, called the illusory energy will cause me to suffer if I try to enjoy energy that belongs to him. All right, so I won't try to enjoy it. I guess I'm stuck. I guess I have to be a servant. What can I do? So next thing is, uh, become enthusiastic to serve Krishna. That yes, everything belongs to Krishna. Yes, I should utilize this energy in Krishna's service. And next thing is I should try to do it to please Krishna. Now, the first one is, uh, we reach the first level of accepting everything belongs to Krishna. That's called liberation. We get freed from our suffering of thinking ourselves through the proprietor. So our hearing, basically speaking, at the beginning is just to convince us that actually everything belongs to Krishna. The Srimad Bhagavatam, first two cantos, the Bhagavad Gita, and parts of Chaitanya Charitamrita are just to convince us that everything is actually Krishna's energy. And then it is actually meant for Krishna's pleasure that we should find out from Krishna's representatives, namely Guru Sadhana Shastra, what he wants us to do with that energy. Not that, all right, everything belongs to Krishna. I can, and so good luck, Krishna. I hope you uh, have a good time with your energy because if it belongs to you, I have nothing to do with it. No, we should actually consider what does Krishna want us to do with whatever we have? Now we have a lot of things and the main thing we have influence over is our material body to a certain extent and to a certain extent our minds. So we have to see where my mind is. And we can only see where my mind is when I have intelligence. And I can only have intelligence when I'm hearing. Now, an advanced devotees, even when he doesn't hear externally, he's always remembering Krishna internally. Krishna's name, forum quality, pastimes, instructions, etc. And therefore he's always seeing Krishna, always hearing from Krishna because he's always hearing from Krishna, he's seeing Krishna everywhere. But if we're not so advanced, therefore we have to regularly, and even if we are advanced, Prabhupada used to read his own books. Devotees were quite surprised when they'd see the Prabhupada that he was there reading Krishna book. And they would ask Prabhupada, but you wrote this book, why are you reading it? So Prabhupada said, well, because I didn't write the book, Krishna wrote the book. Similarly, Krishna wrote, spoke Bhagavad Gita, and when we're remembering Bhagavad Gita, actually Krishna in our heart as Paramatma, he's speaking to us. Reading Bhagavad Gita, or hearing Srimad Bhagavatam, or Chaitanya Charitamrita, or other such literatures are not ordinary activities. They're actually directly we're associating with Krishna in those activities. And if we follow that formula, that priyasa, ye priyasa, udapasta, namanda eva, 
first of all, submissiveness, that this is a great opportunity that we have by Krishna's mercy. We have opportunities to do so many things in this world, but now I've had the chance to hear it from Krishna and from Prabhupada directly by hearing their book. So we should think, now I'm sitting here reading this book, now Prabhupada and Krishna are personally speaking to me, what do they want to tell me? That's called submissiveness. Not that I'm reading this book and while well, I read this so many times, same old story, you know, Krishna, oh, there's Kali, a serpent, and uh, I know what's going to happen. Krishna is going to dance on his hoods, right? Well, I read it again. Didn't disappoint me. Same old story. I could have wrote the same book by now. Or Krishna speaking Bhagavad Gita, he's saying, Sarva Dharma Prichajam Ame Kam Sharanam Rajat. He keeps on asking me the same thing to surrender. Ari told him, I'm not going to surrender. Why does he keep on repeating the same thing over and over again? No, we should, Namanta Eva, we should take this as an opportunity to actually hear what Krishna wants to tell me right now, what Prabhupada wants to tell me right now. And then I have to find out what Prabhupada and Krishna want, how do they want me, and Krishna's representatives too, because it's not just Prabhupada and Krishna. Krishna and Prabhupada have expanded themselves into so many representatives. What they want me to do with my present energies, not my energies, they're actually Krishna's energies, but I'm just imagining that they're my energy, which is my only problem. My circumstances are not a problem. They're Krishna's problem. There's no real problem in the material world, as Prahlad Maharaj said. Uh, in this world, there's no enemy except for the uncontrolled mind. So that we really have no problem except the fact that we're not thinking about Krishna. Just imagine Prahlad Maharaj. He didn't, he wasn't in a pandemic, but he somehow or another was in a rather unpleasant circumstance that his father was trying to kill him. Now, if you're five years old and your father is trying to kill you, it's rather unfortunate because you, you can't complain to anyone. If he went to the police, they probably would have tried to kill him too. Anywhere he turned, his father was the controller and he was trying to kill him. Still, Prahlad Maharaj was always absorbed in Krishna consciousness and therefore he didn't see anything outside of Krishna. When Haridas Thakur was brought before the magistrate and the magistrate was telling Haridas Thakur, the Kazi, my dear Haridas Thakur, you're such a nice Muslim. You've got the opportunity to take birth in a nice Muslim family. So how is it that you become contaminated with this Hindu philosophy that you're trying to become a Hindu? So Haridas Thakur said, well, so many Hindus are making, converting into becoming Mohammedans. So if one Mohammedan becomes a Hindu, what's the problem? What's the big problem? So the, the Haridas Thakur was saying, this Chankazi, he's speaking, but actually it's Krishna through his illusory energy is speaking. So he didn't take it very seriously. 
he didn't think, oh, here's a rascal that, how did he come up with his philosophy? He realized that this is Krishna, this is Maya, and Maya is speaking to me. So Krishna has somehow or another arranged this for me, so I have to accept it. Similarly, Prahlad Maharaj had to accept it, so what did he do? He didn't complain, he didn't lament, he didn't say, oh, Krishna, you know, I'm your faithful servant. How did I take birth in this family? I was chanting my rounds my last lifetime. I followed all the principles. And how did I get this father? Could I see my astrological chart? Maybe there's some remedy. Could I call up Mayapur? Maybe they can chant some mantras for me. <laughs> get out of this. Mishinga Dave, <laughs> you're supposed to protect me. What's happening? No, he accepted it and he concentrated his mind upon Krishna. Just like Duravasa Muni, when he met Ambrish Maharaj, Ambrish uh, Duravasa Muni usually comes with his 10,000 followers at least. And he came to this saintly king, uh, Ambrish, who was fasting for every codice for one year. He was following Neil Jalakadasi for one year. And it was time to break the fast. Ambrish Durvasamuni came, uh, came with his 10,000 followers. And he asked, can you give us some prashadam? Ambrish Maharaj said, no problem. Uh, just go and take a bath. And when you come back, we'll give you some prashadam. You and your 10,000 followers. Durasamuni went to take his bath and it was time to break the fast. Unfortunately, Durasamuni and his 10,000 followers didn't reappear. And Ambarish, if he didn't break the fast, he'd actually incur some reaction, especially he was living in, in Sati Yuga. If you make a vow and follow it, you have to follow it strictly. He asked the Brahmins, what can I do? They said, well, no problem. Just take some water, and that's breaking the fast and not breaking the fast. Ambarish Maharaj took a little drop of water to break his fast, and Durasamuni appeared and said, ah, just see, you rascal. You've eaten without first allowing the sages to eat. You deserve to die. So he plucked out from his hair one Piece of, one piece of hair, and he threw it at Ambarish, and it turned into a fiery demon. So Ambarish didn't say, wait a second, you know, I just drank a drop of water. What, what are you getting so un, un, uh, disturbed about? You know, have you read the Bhagavatam? No, he just concentrated his mind upon Krishna, and he was, tears came from his eyes, not due to fear, but due to ecstasy of concentrating his mind upon Krishna. Of course, Krishna, as we know, he threw his Sudhasan chakra and Dravasamuni killed the fiery demon that Dravasamuni had created and chased after Dravasamuni for a year, attempting to kill him. The point is that these are extreme circumstances, but that's what the Bhagavatam is full of, extreme circumstances. Now we may think we're in extreme circumstance, but hopefully no one's throwing a fiery demon at us yet. So far, 
neither are our parents or relatives or anyone else is putting us, taking us to the zoo and put, putting us under the foot of an elephant or trying to pierce us with, with spears or feed us with poison. So we're not, although our material circumstances are always disturbing, there's no point in our material existence where it won't be disturbed. As Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, even Lord Brahma, he's also disturbed. That he's, right now, Lord Brahma, he's middle-aged. If you go to Brahma Loka, you'll find out Lord Brahma has some white hairs now because he's 50 years old. And he's in anxiety. He's looking in the mirror saying, wow, my God, half my life is gone. I only have 150 trillion, 15 billion years left to live. So what to do? Maybe I should take more vitamins or something. I do exercise every day, but I guess I have to increase. And even though Brahma is in an uncomfortable circumstance, and what to speak of ourselves, we can't expect that at any time in this material world, things are going to become comfortable. And of course, due to the situation that we're in, we happen to take birth in Kali Yuga, which has its advantage that we can chant the holy name, and it has its disadvantage is that we're surrounded by sinful activities, by people performing sinful activities, and we also have to get some of the reactions for that. Now, of course, the reactions have come down as this pandemic, or some people call it a scamdemic, depending on how you look at it. In any case, it's certainly a reaction that people, one way or the other, it's a reaction that people are going through, that we're also going through. The difference is that people are not, they're submissive, but they're submissive to illusion. And we have the opportunity to take advantage of the situation and try to see it, how to utilize it in Krishna's service. And what we have to do is, ye priyasa utapastana manta eva, uh, give up our mental speculation and think that something else is going on outside of Krishna's desire. Now, what Krishna's desire is, we know that Krishna wants to spread the Hare Krishna movement. That's the only reason why he comes to the material world. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the incarnation in this age, and he's all merciful. And therefore, he's arranged uh, people to get their sin of reactions in such a way as that they'll become more receptive to, the, to the, his mission, to the Sankirtan movement. Otherwise, if people were in the materialistic culture, if they kept it going in that particular uh, direction, certainly they become less and less uh, submissive, less and less responsive. We distribute a few books or a few thousand or a million books, but Amazon.com is distributing hundreds of t times more books than we are. And none of them, are, most of them are not about Krishna. They're meant to take people further and further away from Krishna, further and further into mental speculation. As all of us know, if you go on the internet nowadays, the only thing that they talk, they don't talk about Krishna, as if they ever did talk about Krishna, 
they only talk about the coronavirus. And depending on who you're talking, which website you go to, uh, it's all conspiracies. Either the virus is out to get you, or the people who created the virus are out to get you, or the people who created the theory, the story about the virus are out to get you. It's all full of conspiracies and speculation. And since we're not Paramatma, we're probably never going to solve the problem. And even if we knew what, how things came, came about, we couldn't do anything about it anyhow. Except to complain about it. Oh, I'm a victim. I'm such a nice devotee. How did Krishna create this situation? Maybe it's Chaturamasya. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe four months it'll all be on, over. When he wakes up, finds out what's really going on. No, actually, everything at every moment is all arranged by Krishna, and he's doing it in such a way as to increase our dependency upon Krishna so that we can actually meditate more on Krishna, chant our rounds more sincerely, chant, and not simply chant, you know, to get our rounds done. And when that final counter beat is done, then we actually feel joy in my heart hundred times more joy than when I was chanting. No, we should actually chant uh, sincerely, nicely, so that we can actually at least hear the holy name, hear how we're chanting, try to chant happily. There's no need not to be happy because when we're chanting, we're going, we're el making our, becoming eligible to go back to the spiritual world to live forever in full bliss, in full consciousness. So there's nothing more auspicious. So we should be happy that we have this auspicious opportunity to chant Hare Krishna. And if we chant Hare Krishna regularly and happily and attentively, the result is that we'll remember Krishna. Now, as I said, if we think Krishna has appointed me to do this service of chanting Japa right now, and I'm doing it to please him, then when we're chanting Hare Krishna, if we're doing it pleasingly, happily, in other words, if we hear ourselves chanting sincerely, calling out to Shrimati Rarani and Krishna to please gave me, engage me in your loving service, not just service, not that we, all right, Krishna is God, I got to chant my rounds. What to do? Otherwise, if I don't, I'll walk outside and a lightning bolt will hit me in the head. So I got to protect my head, so I'll chant my rounds. Or, all right, I'm chanting because my spiritual master, the rascal, told me to do it 16 rounds. Although I don't really want to do it, but I feel guilty every time I don't do it. So I'll do it anyhow. Or, all right, I'll, so but we chant, accepting that this is my duty to chant and I should follow the instructions how to chant. And if we try to hear ourselves chanting happily, lovingly, calling out to Shemati Rarani in a helpless mood, in a dependent mood, then since there are full of kindness, their unlimited ocean of kindness, therefore they reciprocate and actually help us remember them. And when we remember them, and if we actually are in the right mood, 
they will actually feel their presence and feel transcendental happiness and love, at least something of love. So then we'll actually see why we're chanting. We'll understand why we're going through this effort of chanting, why we're going through this effort of engaging in devotional service. It's not to torture ourselves for two hours or whatever we do. It's actually to bring us to the platform of remembering Krishna. And there is nothing more auspicious than remembering Krishna. And the only obstacles are mental speculation. We take more seriously the thoughts that are going through my mind and all the distractions around me than the holy name. So that's called mental speculation. So our minds are gonna wander because that's our conditioned nature, but we shouldn't take this wandering so seriously and just look forward to you know, getting my rounds done so I can speculate on something other than what I'm speculating on now. No, we should just let our minds, wherever our mind's going, we should concentrate on chanting very nicely and doing it in a way that's submissive. Jivanti sanmukharitam bhavadiyavartam. Uh, remembering the instructions, how to sit, how to move our tongue, how to move our mouths and our lips when we're chanting, how to try to hear the holy name and feel the holy name's presence, how to chant sincerely. Then the result is uh, although, as it says here, that we've been brought up with the so much philo material philosophy. Material philosophy is very simple. Uh, just go to school and learn the rule, the golden rule. Does anyone know what the golden rule is? Yes, he who has gold rules. That's the golden rule. That everyone has been taught the golden rule. And in that way, we've engaged in so much philosophical, oh, actually, it's speculation. What will make me happy? That's the main thing. What will satisfy my senses at this present time and make me happy? So Prabhupada says that some people appear philosophical, some people appear to be atheistic or agnostic. Uh, Prabhupada is referring to the four types of discretinus, uh, people who are foolish, people who are dis, uh, deceitful, or foolish, sinful, deceitful, and atheistic. Uh, so this is minor society. Uh, we've also been trained in minor society to some extent and therefore we have some uh, problems with our minds. But if we hear from the right source with the right attitude, and then, as it says here, uh, give up the idea that we're in some unfortunate circumstance or that we could be in a better circumstance and simply accept our circumstances and then here, from Krishna, hear from Krishna's representatives, and then Vanvano uh, Bira, Stane Sita Shutikatam Tanu Vangmano Bira, with our body, with our mind, with our words, engage in glorifying Krishna, chanting Hare Krishna, 
telling others about Krishna, hearing about Krishna, remembering Krishna. Then stane sita shudhi tam tanovangmano vira. Ye priyasa ditaptitos taistri lokyam. Then we can actually conquer Krishna. There's no way that we can remember Krishna or become Krishna conscious by our own mental effort. Uh, that's just not possible. Uh, we have to conquer Krishna with our love, with our service. So love for Krishna, love for his service, means love for the other devotees, love for the other devotees' service, love for the innocent people. Not that these rascals are getting what they deserve. Actually, they should get a lot worse. But due to my presence on this planet, some of the sinful reactions have gone away. No, we should feel some compassion for the innocent also and think of some way to help them. And if we can think of no other way, then at least we should chant Hare Krishna. Govinda Dasi was looking at one little bug on, on, the, on the table. Actually, Prabhupada was looking at the bug on the table. It was a slug. And he called Govinda Dasi over, who was his secretary at that time, his servant, and said, Govinda Dasi, look at this slug this insect on the table, chant to this poor thing. So Prabhupada didn't say, you know, I'm going to save the world, you know, get the slug out of here. It's, it's in, no, Prabhupada was compassionate even to the little insect. One time he found a little insect on his table and he asked Govinda Dasi to get a leaf. He said, it looks hungry. hungry. So, in a big way, in a small way, we have to think about the innocent people. And if we can do nothing else, at least we can chant Hare Krishna. When Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was lamenting about the unfortunate situation of the world, Haridas Thakur said, don't worry, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, just by the loud chanting Hare Krishna, so many living entities will be saved, including the non-living entities like the trees and other non-living creatures, they'll also be saved. And the echo that comes from them is their chanting of the Hare Krishna mantra. So we should be compassionate upon ourselves, first of all. We should understand that we're in a difficult situation because we're in the material world. But we're in an auspicious, potentially auspicious situation if we simply add the Hare Krishna mantra to our existence. And if we do that, not only will be benefited, but so many other living entities will be benefited also. We don't have to change anything. We just have to engage in Krishna's service. And then Krishna, who's unlimited, who's everywhere, who's controlling everything, that he'll actually become revealed to us. And if we read the Madhurya Kandambini, we'll find out when Krishna, when we become advanced devotees, then instead of just our taking shelter of Krishna, Krishna takes shelter of his devotee also. But that's on a very advanced stage. Right now we have to take shelter of Guru, Sadhu, and Shastra, and that way become a faithful servant of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his, his mission. Then those persons who are innocent, as Prabhupada said, those who appear to be atheistic, 
or, or agnostic or philosophical, then they'll also become benefited. Because after all, none of us started this world as Shukadeva Goswami. And when we came out of the womb of our mother, we were immediately were liberated. And shortly our father came and taught us Srimad Bhagavatam and we became Paramahamsas. We've come to this stage because somehow or another, we had the good fortune of associating with devotees and we had the good, either past or present intelligence or pious activities or, or receptivity to take it seriously and take up the process. And the same process can help others also as it's helped us. One time Prabhupada was in Portland and he was about to leave, this is 1968. And he was giving one devotee, one person in the audience said, Swamiji, this is 68, so probably was Swamiji at that time. Swamiji, how is your movement helping the world? And Prabhupada said, well, is it helping you? And he said, yes. He said, that's how I'm helping the world. Because you're part of the world too. Then another person asked, Swamiji, can you give me initiation? And Prabhupada said, well, maybe. He said, who is God? Who, who is God? Who is Krishna? And he said, Krishna is God. And who are you? I'm a servant of God. He said, all right, then I can give you initiation. Of course, this is 1968. We've become a little bit more strict. <laughs> In any case, the idea is there. The process is actually not very complicated. And if it's presented to ourselves, if we have receptivity to the process, try to understand it, what's applicable to us at this present time, and then try to apply it within our lives sincerely, then we'll actually get some experience of what Krishna consciousness is really all about. It's not just a theoretical science, great philosophy, but it has nothing to do with reality or my reality. But it actually is very much applicable to each one of us. And if we pray to Krishna, we pray to Prabhupada, we pray to the devotees to try to see what I have to learn at this present time, what I have to do to make a little advancement towards Krishna, then our, that moment becomes very auspicious. Even we don't know, but as long as we become submissive and we search, we become a little inquisitive and search for the answer, how, what can I do to increase my service to Krishna and his devotees? If we think, simply think about that, then Krishna is very kind because he's Paramatma in our heart and he'll reciprocate and give us dadami buddhi yogam dham. He'll give us some intelligence to see things more clearly, what we personally have to do. Generally, we're very expert in understanding what everyone else should do. <laughs> we figured out everyone else's success, path of success in Krishna consciousness, uh, but we sometimes we're not so much inclined to figure out what our path of success in Krishna consciousness is. But if we take even a moment to do that sincerely and pray to Krishna, then Krishna will dadami buddhi yogam tam. He'll give us some intelligence 
so that we can make some progress towards him. And we should understand that there's nothing more auspicious, inconceivably auspicious, than to even make one little baby step towards Krishna. There's nothing else more glorious or auspicious in this world. There's nothing that will give us the same benefit as making even the slightest step towards Krishna. And if we do that one step at a time, then one day we'll actually find out where we'll meet Krishna. Prabhupada said, if you want to find out where Narada Muni is, if you want to meet him, then find one of his steps and follow them. And if you follow them long enough, eventually you'll meet him. He didn't. If you have a plenty, that's... So we follow one step at a time, a little bit sincerity, and then gradually we'll make some progress and everything will become clearer and no one will understand how by our endeavor to engage our body, mind, and words in Krishna's service, that Krishna is becoming pleased and we're actually becoming aware of Krishna's presence. So I'll stop there for now. Any questions? Thank you. Can everyone, uh, does anyone have any questions? That's my question. Can ask a question? Yes. Uh, I was reading this fifth canto and um, there uh, when Priyabrata was meditating and uh, you know everybody went to him to convince him uh, to you know to get married or you know like that and uh, then it was mentioned and it was mentioned that about the about Brahmaloka that it said that uh, Brahmaloka is the highest of the material universe and uh, you know, they were describing about Brahmaloka, but also then they said that there is no old age, birth, death, and disease. And then when I was reading, I was surprised because, you know, uh, every other, uh, everywhere we read about Brahmaloka as well, that it has, uh, it's a part of material universe. Uh, and uh, even Brahma has to die. So. Yes. So don't believe everything you read. By the way, this is not Krishna Vayu, this is Nitya Seva Devi Dasi. <laughs> My phone is not working again. But Krishna Vayu is in the background there somewhere. She's hiding. <laughs> <laughs> They're in India, yeah. it's quite warm there. Is it warm there in India right now? Yeah, it's really warm. But you know, sometimes it rains, so it cools down. But usually it's really warm. Okay. No, in Srimad Bhagavatam, sometimes statements are made relatively. They compare to us, there's no birth, death, old age, and disease in Brahma Loka. But we, we don't, when we find what appears to us to be contradictions, because we know in Brahma Loka, there is, there is death, but not exactly death as we know. Because Brahma, at the end of Brahma's lifetime, he's transferred usually to Gar, where Garbhadakshai Vishnu is and he stays there during the dissolution. And if he's qualified, then he may go back to the spiritual world with his associates. And if he's not qualified, then he has to return. But it's not exactly the same old age disease and death that we experience here. Although Brahma is not eternally Brahma, generally speaking, although in Brihad mm -hmm. Bhagavatamrita, sometimes people who worship Lord Krishna in the form as Brahma, 
they go to Vaikuntha as Brahmas. They have the same form in Vaikuntha as they have here. So for them, there is no apparently old age. They don't grow old in Brahma Loka like we do. There's no disease in Brahma Loka like we have. And there's no birth. People don't birth, take birth in Brahma Loka like we do. They appear in Brahma Loka. And as far as death, if they're qualified, they just go directly back to the spiritual world. Otherwise, they go up to Garbhadakashai Vishnu and then they return. So they don't have the same kind of death that we have. But there is death, as we know, from the highest planet down to the lowest, all the places of misery wherein repeated birth and death take place. That Abrahma Bhuvan Loka Punavartanojana, Mamupetya Tukunteya Punarjanmana Vidite. So we understand that, but it's not exactly the same experience that we have as old age, disease, and death. But there is a kind of old age, not old age, but there's a kind of disappearance there, which we can consider death. Is that all right? So when they say that there is no old age, death, and disease, that means it's, it's not like ours, like how it happens here. Yeah, it's different. But... But Krishna, in other words, Krishna in Bhagavad Gita says that, or even in elsewhere, Brahma is afraid of death. Because Brahma is not, it says in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, at one time we were all Brahmas, or highly placed demigods. And we can go down to the meanest insect, a gopajerm, gopajerm, Indra gopajerm. So Brahma's position is not steady. But when he dies, when he leaves his body, or when he changes his body, it's not the same thing as our changing our bodies. Mm-hmm. But it's still, he's fearful because he knows, he's looking around, he, he realizes that right now I'm Brahma and I could become an insect in the future. Oh. So he comes back to the earth. Uh, if you don't. If he is not being transferred in the higher planetary, uh, sorry, in uh, in the spiritual planets, yeah, in the Vaikuntha, so he goes up to Garbhadakshai Vishnu and waits for the next creation, next manifestation, and then he comes back as something, depending on what he did. There are different kinds of Brahmas. There's Karma Brahmas. There's Gani Brahmas. There's Bhakta Brahmas. So some of them get some are engaged in speculation some of them again engage in fruit of activity but on a different level than we are and some of them are pure devotees like our brahma who is haridas thakura so these are subtleties in our philosophy but our, the main thing is don't try to go to brahma loka thinking well like you know i'm going to live there practically forever because Brahma is enjoying so much there and all the residents are so peaceful and happy there compared to ourselves that time goes by very, very quickly. And for Brahma, 100 years is the same experience as our 100 years. Not the same experience, but in terms of time. When you're enjoying, time goes a lot faster than when you're suffering. So now time seems to go, we think we have a hundred years because we're suffering a hundred years. And Brahma, he's enjoying a hundred years 
but the same experience of time is there. It goes very quickly because he's enjoying and we're suffering. Of course, we may not think we're suffering, but we don't know we're suffering until we start, you know, enjoying. It's like you're in school waiting for the test and you haven't studied for it. You're completely in anxiety and time goes very, very slowly. Or the better example is you're on the, de you're on the dentist chair and you hear the drill then time seems to stop. You know, he's drilling a teeth for, tooth for one minute and it seems like it's been an hour. On the other hand, the weekend comes after work and you're thinking, I can't wait for the weekend and there's a big feast and everything. And it seems to go quicker than the whole other five days, those last two days in the weekend seem to go quicker than the five other days. So, time is relative. And for Brahma, a hundred years is not very much. As we know that story of Lomarsha Rishi, the hairy Rishi, he had, his whole body was covered with hair and he lived as long as he had any hair on his body. But every time a Brahma would be born and die, then one of his hairs would fall out. He was sitting by the bank of the Ganges meditating and his disciple came and said, Guru Maharaj, maybe we should build you a bhajan kutir. He said, well, what's the use? He said, I'm only going to be alive for a short period of time. So we think we're probably going to be practically going to be here forever. We have plenty of time, but actually the demigods look at us and they think, my God, my Krishna, these people, they, they live for such an insignificant amount of time and they're just wasting it. So that's the lesson to be learned. Even if Brahma, Brahma does, he doesn't keep the post of Brahma forever. Uh, and we're not gonna keep our position forever either in this particular body, but we one moment utilizing Krishna's service is unlimitedly valuable. Anything else? Thank you. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Hare Krishna. Uh, here is Amra from Bosnia. Yes. Uh, I came home here and uh, I listened to your lecture. Thank you very much for it. And I'm here with my grandma, and she was listening with me, and she just wanted to say hello to you. Hare Krishna, Kako stay. Uh, she doesn't understand English, but she was trying to follow. I was translating to her. Kako stay. She said she's fine. Hvala dobro. Alichna. Do they have that word in, in Bosnia, Alishna? Alish? No. Alishna. Great. Great. Ah, okay. Vero Dabra. Vero Dabra. Yes. <laughs> yes. She just wanted to say hello shortly to you. And... Hare Krishna, yeah. nice to see you. <laughs> Hare Krishna. Thank you for lecture, Maharaj. Hare Krishna. Anyone else? Hare Krishna Kumaraj. Yes, Mitravindi Devi Dasi. 
from Belgium. <laughs> Thank you so much for the inspiring lecture, Kumraj. I was thinking you were speaking about time. And Krishna says also in the Bhagavad Gita that he is time. Um, is time uh, personal or impersonal uh, feature of Krishna? Well, Krishna okay. tells Arjuna uh, that time is a horrible feature of his. Hmm. He says, Ugra, he uses the word Ugra, which means horrible, ghastly. Because time kills everyone. Time takes away everyone's life, except if you're a devotee. Both with the rising and the setting of the sun, everyone's duration is, of life is lost, except for one who utilizes time for, for glorifying the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So time is Krishna, and Prabhupada writes in the Bhagavad Gita that Krishna, he can extend our life, or he can, he can shorten it because Krishna is completely in control. It's like if you have a stick and you hit someone with it, and someone says, why are you hitting me? And you say, no, I'm not hitting you, the stick's hitting you. But actually, the, the person who has the stick is hitting you. You can't blame the stick. So time is Krishna's energy. Kalos me lokashe krit pravido, or kalos me bharatarshva, time I am. So time is Krishna's energy, and he's controlling everything with it. And he's also arranging everything for us to engage us in our devotional service. So it's personal. Everything mm -hmm. for a devotee is personal. Thank you, Gomaraj. Anything else? Yes, Maharaj, you can hear me? Yes. Uh, the story with the Lomsha Rishi, some say he lost hair only every day of Brahma. Anyhow, yeah. Maybe every day of Brahma or whatever, but he had enough hair. He didn't, he didn't go bald. Okay. Day of Brahma, I mean, Brahma lives for, there are 365 days in a year, and Brahma lives for 100 years, so that's 36,000 hairs. He had more than that. But I don't know. I mean, I wasn't around, so. You have to, if you can find Lama Sharish, you can find out how many hairs he has left. Give us a report. Okay. Anything, anyhow. Anything else? Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, speak louder. Who is it? Petradas. Uh, uh, Hare Krishna is... Uh, Agnihotra. Yes, Hare Krishna. Um, uh, Guru Maharaj, uh, thank you for your lecture. And um, we have a few versions of how the soul fall uh, from spiritual world to material world. What version is true and what version you use uh, between the well, two? It's not necessarily that one is true and other one is not true. There may be varieties. There's varieties always. First of all, the, both the material world for us right now and the spiritual world, they're both inconceivable. So how we came here, that's also to a certain extent inconceivable. 
But the fact is that we're here right now, as Prophet said. If you're drowning in the ocean, the first question is probably not, how did I get here? First question would be, how do I get out of here? Now, if someone comes along with a boat to, to rescue you, the first thing you ask them is not, dear sir, tell me, how did I get here? You can't answer that, then I'm not going to leave. You're not qualified to save me. <laughs> no, we should understand that there may be varieties of ways, but right now we're here. But in one sense, we never left the spiritual world. That's not possible because everything is Krishna's energy. Therefore, everything is actually spiritual. It's only our, our, our consciousness that's material. Besides that, Krishna is always with us. We can't do anything without Krishna. He always gives us remembrance, knowledge, and forgetfulness. So in one sense, we never left Krishna. We just left our awareness of Krishna, that's all. So when they say that we can't fall from Vaikuntha, or we came from Vaikuntha, we're already in Vaikuntha, in one sense, because even the material world is part of Vaikuntha, but it's, it's the prison department of Vaikuntha. And also in the Bhagavad Gita it says, Anaditvam Nirgunadvat Paramatmayam Aviyam Sharira Stopikuntiya Natakuruti Nana Lipyate. Those who can see with the eyes of eternity can see that the soul is eternal, transcendental, and beyond the modes of material nature. Despite contact with the material body or Arjuna, the soul is neither entangled nor is he doing anything. Actually, we're not entangled, nor are we actually doing anything in the material world at least except for desiring. So we're with Krishna, we're actually in the spiritual world, but the prison part of it. So how we got here, yeah, yeah. How we got here, that's inconceivable. And we shouldn't worry so much about it, but the fact that we're here, we should think about Krishna, take shelter of Krishna, so that we become Krishna conscious, and then we won't be in the material world anymore. We won't be a material consciousness. So I think we're going to stop there because right now I have another program. So. <laughs> Thank you all. Gorgeous seeing you again. Probably in two weeks. Is that right, Kumar Devi Dasi? Yes, Guru Maharaj. I, you have, I know your, your time is now finished. So I, I have a question. I don't know if you have some time to. Okay, if it's quick. Yeah, all right. Uh, I have a question from Bhakti Daisin from Peru. She, she asked me um, to tell, uh, if someone lost a person who received uh, some Vedic knowledge in, their in his life, uh, he, he's doing some advance, spiritual advance. Say that again. Uh, someone, some person uh, lost or passed away. Um, passed away. Yeah, he received uh, some Vedic knowledge in yes. life. Um, he's doing some spiritual advance. Did he make some spiritual advancement? Yes. Yeah, of course. All right. So, yeah, nothing. Neha shasti pratyavana vayona vidyate swapama apisiddharmasya trayate mahatobhaya. On this path, there's no loss or diminution 
and even a little advancement can protect one from the greatest danger. Thank you so much. Thank you all. Hare Krishna. Hare Thank you very much. Thank you.